Hey, but right now, I think we are ready to venture boldly into the Ozone. The Ozone tonight, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Here's Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at Ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, we're going to have football coming up here pretty soon. The Gators, right out of the gate, going to take on the top 10 ranked Utah Utes. That's going to be September 3rd, 7 p.m. kickoff, 4 p.m. pregame. That'll be on WONN. 107.1, 1230 a.m. right down the dial. And FSU on that same weekend on Monday night is going to take on LSU in New Orleans, Louisiana at the Superdome, 630 kickoff, 430 pregame. And this weekend, Saturday night, the Bucks are going to travel to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans, 7 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame. A lot of football coming up, Coach Joe. Uh, yeah, that's right, and a lot of it will be here on uh, the station, uh, Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF, specifically the Bucks Saturday night at Tennessee. Now, they've been up there already doing joint practices, so it should be exciting there. And uh, they also have an exhibition game, preseason game, next Saturday, the 27th, at Indianapolis. Now, the big question right now for the Bucks: will Tom Brady be involved in either of those? Definitely not this week, and according to the latest Bucks coach Todd Bowles says there's no definitive date for when Tom Brady will return, and w- we could speculate forever why he's out, but they don't seem worried about it. Well, um, you know, he, he's off on one of Eric Clark's yachts, and uh, <laughs> you know we have that's an exclusive right here on the Ozone. No one else knows that. Why am I the last one to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Eric's got so many yachts that, you know, he can't keep track of them, and the rumor is that the Big Ten has signed a $7 billion TV deal with Eric Clark Enterprises Unlimited. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. not true. <laughs> the Eric Clark Network will have sole exclusive rights of first uh, choice on all the Big Big Ten games. <laughs> and uh, I think it's a joint venture with Tom Brady, who's, of course, a University of Michigan alum, so that's probably why, why, where Brady's been out counting his money with Eric. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, it really was a landmark deal today, and you know I think you're going to see the SEC. They're kind of sitting back saying, okay, let's see what you get. We'll see if we can do the same or top that because they're smart. They've got Fox, CBS, NBC, and now with the expansion, you know, bringing in Southern Cal and UCLA, they go from New Jersey to California, and, you know, the, I guess the network's all decided – Fox is going to keep that big noon game, and CBS is going to keep the 330 game, and I guess NBC gets the night games. That's exactly what's going to happen. So the Big Ten, starting in 2023, is going to be on all day long on network television. If you're a Big Ten fan, you're doing somersaults right now. Uh, ESPN shut out of this deal, and it seems like the big sticking point for uh, ESPN and the Big Ten was over streaming rights. Uh, ESPN relies heavily now on their ESPN Plus streaming service, which is wonderful in the sense that you get a ton more content. There's all sorts of games you can access. 
Uh, but for the individual conference like the Big Ten, they're better off being out on the networks all day long, Fox than CBS leading into NBC. You literally have the games leading into each other. And so that's a, it's a great deal for the Big Ten, a huge amount of money. And uh, it, with the expansion of USC and UCLA, uh, it's, it's just a, a windfall for that conference. No doubt about it. And we, we've talked about the selling of college football, and it, it's only a matter of time before they start putting patches on the jerseys and so forth. And I heard some comedian saying the snap count pretty soon is going to be Heinz 57, Century 21, <laughs> Pizza Hut Hut. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt that. As funny as that sounds, the way they're selling everything, I mean, when, when they're on the air, you know, we're going to go to the um, Eric Clark first down, another <laughs> Eric Clark first down. Oh, yeah, that's a lot on the radio. I like my downs hear, first. <laughs> yeah, you hear that a lot on the radio, too, you know, the, the two-minute warning brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Hockey has the, uh, the the final five brought to you by uh, the Rocket Mortgage, I think that's you can, and for the final five minutes of the game, it, it, that stuff is happening. Uh, and you know, the, every stadium now has naming rights of some sort, and they change. And sometimes it's hard to keep track of them, but it, it, it is it is amazing uh, what what's going on with, with uh, the big money. You know, and with you know what you're talking about with the quarterback barking signals at, at, at double as advertising wouldn't surprise me, especially with these NIL deals. You know, you're you're uh, got to deal with the local car dealer, you know. Uh, Toyotas, price yeah. to move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll tell you the most clever one, though. Nebraska has a recruit named DeColdest Crawford, and he has a deal with a, an air conditioning company. And he, <laughs> they said, he comes on and he says something like, if you want to be DeColdest, then you're going to have to go with Joe's air conditioning. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if his mama was thinking of of that when she named him the coldest. If she was thinking that twenty years from from the time he was born that there'd be nil deals and there'd be he'd make a great <laughs> deal in college with an air conditioning company, then that's one smart mama. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, an interesting thing I saw was they were talking about what a gamble the first SEC championship game was with Alabama playing the Gators because the Gators were eight and three that year. And, you know, if Florida had beaten that undefeated Alabama team and Steve Spurrier, that was one of his most brilliant games to me. Alabama's defense was absolutely loaded. They had those two defensive tackles or ends, Curry and Copeland, and the Gators knew they couldn't run the ball on them. But what they did, and I think that was when we had to play Reggie Green and Jason Odom, two freshman tackles. And so what Spurrier did, instead of trying to run the ball down their throats, he ran that little shovel pass, and he used that as his running game. And Eric Rett had a big game against them. And you're going into the fourth quarter, and the 8-3 and three Gators are tied at 21-all with Alabama. Now, the coaches in the conference, except Spurrier, didn't like that. You know, He always liked a championship game. The other coaches didn't like that at all. And the gamble, I mean – they would have run Roy Kramer out of town because, you know, first of all, Alabama's always run the SEC. So the game was played in neutral, and I'm doing air quotes, Birmingham. <laughs> so, you know, Alabama said, well, all right, we're going to do this, but we're going to play it in neutral Birmingham, which is where the SEC office is too. But, you know, Alabama was on the ropes, and then Shane Matthews threw that interception 
it was run back for a touchdown. And, um, you know, if that hadn't happened, I don't know what if there had ever been another one. It's a hugely important result, and in this case, the Gators losing actually helped uh, the overall conference and the future. Now, that 92 team uh, was kind of an in-between team between the team that Spurrier inherited when he started in 1990 and the team that he built that became that juggernaut in the mid-'90s. Uh, the, uh, the thing in 1992 was the SEC expanded at that time to 12 teams from 10. The teams that were added were uh, South Carolina and Arkansas, and under the rules at the time, uh, and I think this is the reason they did this, is it is if you had a conference of at least 12 teams, the rules in college football allowed you to divide into two divisions and hold a championship game. And they, and Roy Kramer, you know, to his eternal credit, came up with the idea. And those first two games showed what, what it could be for the championship game. But when it really took off was two years later when they moved it from Birmingham, which was wet and cold in early oh, December, yeah. it was to nasty. the uh, covered Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Yeah. And then, that was one of the greatest games I ever saw, and it took off from there, and, and, it, beca- and it became what it became, a really a real game changer. Well, no, no doubt about that. I mean, that Alabama team, you know, they played an undefeated Miami team in the Sugar Bowl, and Miami had won 29 straight games, and Miami was running their mouths, boy. You know, they had yeah. no respect for that Alabama team. And Alabama wiped up the floor with them. And I'll never forget that play when Lamar Thomas is supposedly running for a touchdown and George Teague ran him down from behind and took the ball from him and went the other way. People forget now that play was negated. Alabama was offsides. And, uh, but it still cost uh, Miami a touchdown because Thomas apparently was going for a touchdown and he ended up not going. And, boy, I tell you what, they had egg on their face after that Alabama team beat them. But let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll have an interview we had with Bill Castle, one of the greatest high school football coaches to ever grace a sideline. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. What's up, guys? This is Ahmad Black, former Dreadnought state champion, former Gator national champion, and Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Hey, it's the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the house. Talking sports. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Earlier this week, Ronnie O caught up with legendary football coach Bill Castle. It's our distinct pleasure to have with us Bill Castle, one of the finest high school football coaches to ever grace a sideline on Friday night. Coach, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Thank you, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm excited about it. Well, Coach, um, one of the dilemmas I know that a coach has at this time of year is how much contact do you want to have in practice? Obviously, you want your team to be able to tackle sharply, but you also want them to be healthy. How do you handle that dilemma? Yeah, we 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 we've had very little like scrimmage con- contact, uh, just just a little bit. But it it's so hot. We've been practicing in shells, and shells to us is like shoulder pads, hip pads, and shorts. And uh, we've pretty much tried to, uh, uh, you know, um, hold our contact down. And uh, it's just we have them break down and uh, we got thug up where they just uh, they stay on their feet and not really go to the. Uh, you know, to the ground. So we we we're trying to keep them healthy, and and also you, you got to watch out for the heat. It's so hot out here, you know. 
I understand what you're saying. Coach, um, Bryant Stadium's quite a nice facility for a high school football team to play and practice on. I love playing at Bryant Stadium. You know, our fan base has always been big, uh, even when we travel. But playing playing at home at Bryant Stadium is always special. It's, it's um, you know, and i got to give our Boosters Club uh, a little bit of credit for that. They put a lot into it and, and try to make it, uh, you know, exciting for the fans. You know, Coach, I graduated from Lakeland about 100 years ago, and there were two really good feeder programs at Lakeland Junior High and Southwest Junior High, and yet those teams always seem to fall short. What do you think has happened? What have you been able to build there that's been able to put you over the top? You've won seven state championships. Uh, you know, just consistency, stability in our program, and uh, having our coaches' staff. And Now, we've had turnovers in our coaches' staff, uh, you know, but for the bulk of, of the coaches, you know, we, we've been fortunate that we had had maybe one leave here, one leave there. But for the bulk of them, you know, we've, we've had some carryover value, I think, in our program. And uh, just, being, just being consistent and kids knowing our expectation, knowing our culture, and, uh, you know, just buying into our program. Coach, I was looking you're at you. Right. You're right, Ronnie. There, we we actually don't have a feeder system. We don't know who's gonna, who we have nowadays. <laughs> There's so many schools out there until, you know, the ninth graders, until until they show up, you know, in the fall. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely not, not, a, not a good situation as far as having a, a feeder program coming into uh, in any individual school in Polk County. <laughs> coach, I was looking up the records, and you're pretty close to being the winningest high school football coach in the history of – football in uh, the state of Florida. One day when you're able to retire and sit back 30 years from now, what would it mean to you to be the winningest head football coach in Florida high school football, given the talent that comes through the schools in the state of Florida? You know, uh, it's good, but I've never, ever gotten wrapped up in all that. Uh, to me, it's always uh, basically about the next, <laughs> the next game and move on. But, uh, We've been fortunate, but blessed, and there's a lot of intangibles to go in all those wins. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of great assistant coaches. You got to have administrative support. You got to have good booster club support, fan base, and uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And we've just been fortunate that uh, we've been able to uh, stay the course and be consistent. And uh, you, you know, it's uh, uh, and then before you know it, uh, 47 years has gone by. <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the things that's always impressed me is your ability to call the right play at the right time. Let me give you a situation, and you tell me what goes into your decision as to what play to call. All right, it's third down and 10. You're at midfield. You're down seven points. What are you looking for on the defense? or are you? What are you looking for? What goes into your play call at that point? Well, first of all, uh, you know, the clock, you know, where are you with the time? I mean, you're putting the balls not at the end of the day, so, you, you know, you just uh, – you always try to avoid any any type of turnovers. But, uh, you know, I'm all spontaneous, uh, you know, just uh, – I guess uh, just what pops in my mind. And, of course, you know, I go into a game with several plays that uh, – in that situation that I might want to call and uh, – but mostly I call on instincts and just watching the defense, what I feel is good at, at that particular time. Coach, you're uh, 
more uh, you're there's a lot more to you than just football and you have a hobby off the field that I think is very interesting tell our audience what you do when you're not coaching football well I love uh you know of course I've got two Jack Russells and I love Jack Russell uh racing at my little dogs and uh you know I I enjoy playing a lot of racquetball uh golf uh I'm not so good at, but I, I like playing it, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, those are those are probably my main things, and uh, and and trying to stay in shape. I, I you know, I, I ride my bike to the Y, I go through machines, and uh, I try try to keep myself in shape. You know, it's interesting to see what you do off the field because your job has to be extremely stressful, not just on Friday night, but. Throughout the week, I'm sure you see things. Hey, we got to get this taken care of before Friday night, and uh, so it's a good thing to have something to relax and not think about football, isn't it? Definitely, but there's not too many days go by that, uh, in some form or fashion, that uh, you know football's on my mind. But uh, it is nice to have a few days in the summer to to uh, kind of relax. And uh, yes, uh, football. Uh, you know, and the pre- it, it is pressure, and uh, but it's pressure mainly. I think all coaches do the same thing. It's just pressure you put on yourself, wanting to wanting to be successful. You know, and um, you know it's um, it's what it is. Our guest is Coach Bill Castle of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts. Coach, is there anybody in the coaching profession that you've kind of admired or modeled your career after? Ah. Uh, I really hadn't tried to pattern out of any one person. Uh, I definitely enjoy watching the teams that win the most, you know, things they do and uh, how they do it and stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, you just got to take all of that in. It's it's just like studying football. You know, we all in the coaching profession, you know, you you swap ideas, you get ideas, you try to adapt some of it to your – your program but uh, yeah just um, just studying football is a big thing what's been the biggest change that you've experienced over your years in coaching I have to say the kids kids <laughs> kids are you know they're getting more loosey-goosey more for <laughs> more more things uh, for them to do more things for them to get into uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's challenging. It's challenging for the teachers. You know, keeping up keeping up with how times are changing. You know, um, so actually, it's uh, you know, and with the NIL, with the college football, uh, kids are now you know they're being offered to come to certain schools and stuff like that. So definitely, everything's changing, uh, and it's definitely changing at the college level at a fast pace. No doubt about it. Coach, we got about a minute and a half, two minutes left. Give us a rundown of um, your ball club as they're shaping up for this year. Well, you know, we've we've gotten off to a couple of good, good weeks of practice right here. Our, our, our team's had a lot of enthusiasm. They're enjoying competing against each other and uh, at a, uh, a good pace. And uh, can't wait to play uh, Friday night against Armwood. Armwood's going to you know they're gonna have some good, very good talent also, but we do have some talent this year. Then uh, I think it'll take us probably one or two games to really realize what we've got. We've got some 
good competition going on with our players, and, and uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball and our defensive secondary, our linebackers. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of guys right there competing for positions, and that's a good thing. Uh, so they they know when they come, they got to go to work and, and compete. So. Coach, one last thing. Behind every great man, there's a great woman, and you have a great lady who is your wife, Shelly. Talk about the role that she's played in your success. Yeah, you don't even know how much Shelly means to me, which, or the, the role that she actually does play. I mean, like right now, we got all kind of things going on at the house, and I'm here coaching. I mean, we, <laughs> we, had, we had a water overflow. We had a lot of water in our thing. She's, she's dealing with that. I've set the tank guys coming today. That we've got to get a field right. I mean, you know, there's all kind of stuff that uh, I should be taking care of that she takes care of, but she supports me. She's one of my biggest fans, and uh, in my 51 years of total coaching, uh, she may have missed two games. Wow. So, yeah. That's unbelievable. I'd be lost, with, I'd be lost without her. So, Well, uh, everybody that knows her just loves her to death, so please give her a big hug from us and go Dreadnoughts. All right. Uh, thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Have a great practice. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Second half of the Ozone kicks off now. I said now. Yeah, the Ronnie Owen Coach Joe ready to go. Talking sports in the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie Owen Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And, of course, we all knew that today was Luke Fickle's birthday. The Cincinnati Bearcats head coach. And that brings up... The opening weekend of college football, Cincinnati will travel to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks September 3rd. Florida Gators taking on Utah and Gainesville. And Georgia is going to take on the Oregon Ducks. And the quack attack in Atlanta. And oddly enough, Georgia's defensive coordinator from last year, Dan Lanning, is the head football coach at Oregon. How much of an advantage do you think that is, Joe, that both teams know, I mean, he obviously knows the deficiencies and the strengths of the Georgia players, but they also know what he thinks. Now, they've probably never seen him, his philosophy of offensive football. Yeah, well, in that situation, uh, you know, the, the advantage goes to the guy who's left the team that he's playing, you know, because uh, he knows how they like to do things. He knows those players very well. And while the players on the old team might know the coach's tendencies, plain fact of the matter is he's got a new team and, and he's had, putting a stamp on it. So they're not going to be as familiar with what he what his team's going to be able to do as he is with them. It's sort of like when when John uh, when John Gruden uh, was, was became the coach of the Bucks and they had that big advantage over the Raiders. They knew everything the Raiders were going to do because yeah. he had coached there. So so they had uh, even John Lynch was talking about how they, they like knew knew their signals. They knew exactly what they were going to do in that Super Bowl back in 2002. So it, I, I think the advantage, it, to the extent that there is one, would go to, to Oregon in that area. You know, I heard Steve Spurrier talking about that. You know, we had played Florida State so many times back in the late 90s that – they actually knew some of our signals, and obviously we knew some of theirs. But that kind of w- works both ways if you're counting on that. Because I heard it told, and I've heard it disputed. I don't know what the truth is, but it it makes some sense that when Spurrier made the letter C with his hands, it meant curl route. 
And that on that critical play when Doug Johnson hit Quez Green for 61 yards, that they flashed that up there knowing that Florida State knew that. And that if you watch the film, Samari Roll comes up like, hey, I've seen that. I know what's coming. And then all of a sudden, Quezzy turns up field and Johnson hits him in stride and he runs 60 yards downfield. And, uh, you know, so that can kind of work both ways if you know the signals and the other team knows you know the signals. Right. Yeah. You know, the so teams need to account for that, especially when you play the same teams year after year, like you do in college football. You know, nowadays they become a lot more elaborate in the way they give signs. You see the decoy signs. You see those boards with weird pictures on them that can mean yeah, <laughs> that, that can be about anything, and uh, yeah, and then guys standing behind towels and 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 then. Um, uh, the coaches that cover their their mouths with the play sheet yeah. <laughs> and talking to the uh... explain this to me when I see the guy with the towel behind the coach. The team on the field is the one you want to hide the signals from, the other team. What, are you hiding it from your own fans or the fans? I, I don't get that one. I, that one never made sense to me. I don't know. Maybe it has to do with the camera angles in case uh, they, you know, they're filming games uh, and they look back at the game films and they look, watch the coaches and the signals. And I suppose teams do that when they have enough time in the offseason. But, uh, you know, coaches do have to vary the signals a little bit. And like you said, maybe do a decoy thing like that. And, and if a team gets a little bit too clever, they can get burned by it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it does help to know and they, to the other team's tendencies. And, and that, that's why they study them so hard. Well, you know, Paul Brown was a great innovator in the NFL. And they actually started the radio signals to the quarterback. And uh, the – they had a like a walkie-talkie that they talked to the quarterback, and the Detroit Lions were playing them, and the Detroit Lions got on their frequency and killed the Browns <laughs> in a game. <laughs> so they had to kind of go back and reconsider that. I don't know if they quit doing it or what happened. Yeah. But hey, enough- you remember the days when they, you'd send a, a, pl- a player in with the play, so there'd yeah. be a sub coming in every time. And uh, I'm, I'm Dallas like to do that. I know. I they- think Chuck Knoll. They had messenger guards yeah. in Cleveland, and I think Chuck Knoll was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Send in, send in a guard with each play. Yeah. Or, or like you know, you talked about that that game uh, with the Gators and the Knolls. You know, Spurrier also had a, a way of handling the play calling in that game by sending in the quarterback yeah. a different one in yeah. each play, alternating them on each play. <laughs> I've got a story for you on that one. I had a friend of mine who had a son on the team, and the Monday of that they practiced before that game, he said he called his dad who had played football at UF2, and he said, Coach, he said, Dad, he said, Coach Spurrier's lost his mind. He said he is alternating quarterbacks on every play. He said he called his dad back on Wednesday and said, Dad, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> and it did work that game. It no, did. No Brindis and Doug Johnson alternating virtually every play. Uh, I think – yeah, pretty much every play. There might have been one or two times when, when one quarterback stayed in for an extra play, but but never more than two in a row. Yeah, exactly. Another big game that first weekend, FSU's got a big advantage to me. They play Duquesne in, I, I call it the first weekend. To me, there's no such thing as week zero, but anyway. Soft opening. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> September 4th, FSU travels to New Orleans to take on LSU. And now, a special Sunday game. Yeah. Now, LSU will not have played a game. They got a new coach, new offensive coordinator, and new quarterback probably. FSU will have played a game. 
advantage FSU? I think so. I think it's a big advantage. I wonder what our caller thinks. Daryl, how you doing, my man? Handicap those state teams. Uh, I think the Gators are going to be really handicapped. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, ready? Here they go. I'm ready. All right. I Can think. Agree or disagree? All right. How many state teams are we going to handicap? About five or six? Uh, uh, yeah, let's go with uh, obviously top team, the three. Top team, top, the best team with the best chance to have the best season this year? I would say Miami. Miami. Uh, this year, Miami has the best. It's The schedule lines up good. They, they have uh, a great quarterback. Yes. Uh, everything is looking good for them, especially compared to the other teams. Uh, um, you know, UCF, uh, they could be good, and they, you know, might be able to do something. UCF uh, is number two. Yeah. I'll take that off your hands. UCF is <laughs> number two and will push Miami. If Miami has problems in the uh, with their offense, UCF will push them as being the best team in the state this year. Yeah, I think that I think they'll be good, but uh, I still think Miami's going to be better than UCF. Uh, but but you're right, UCF UCF looks pretty decent so far. You know, I think I think they've got an opportunity. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were maybe a few years ago, but I think they have an opportunity to be a very strong team. Solid. Solid. Look for this to be Gus's last year in Orlando. After that, he'll be moving on somewhere. You think? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. All right, UCF is going to a new conference, previously a Power 5 conference. Will that remain a Power 5 conference? And if so, maybe that UCF job is even better than it would have been, and maybe Malzahn stays there. We'll wait and see. I wouldn't count on it. Now it gets interesting, Dr. O. Now it gets interesting. The third best team in the state. Uh, Gators. I'm not sure. I think FSU is going to be sneaky good. If the Gators can stay healthy, I think the Gators are the third best team. And I think USF will be bringing up the rear. Um, Let me ask you this. Gus Malzahn, I guess he probably always flies Southwest Airlines because he's got a lot of baggage and two bags fly free. Now, <laughs> would, 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 if you're going to hire somebody, you know, Gus is, he's kind of controversial. Are you looking to hire him? I guess it kind of depends on the situation, but yeah, it's, if it's, you're an it's athletic a, director, how would you consider Gus as a potential candidate? Well, I would look, I would look at this. Number one, you look at his record against Alabama, which there is almost go. 500. Yeah. Next, you look at where he's coached, and overall, um, when he's left the program, the program's gone in the dumper. Auburn, Auburn's got major problems. That's a dumpster fire up there in Auburn. You know, no, I, don't, I don't think Malzahn ends up back there, though, does he? No, no, he's no, not no, in no, no. back there. No. You know, one of the things that really aggravates me is um, there, there are some former Gators that, that talk about the Florida fan base and how fickle they are. I think that's true, but I think it's true of every fan base. And I don't think Florida's any different. I mean, when you're Tennessee and you fired a coach before you ever coached a game, you know, at Alabama they fired Bill Curry when I, th- I think he won nine games. And, no, uh, you, you're going to never get more fickle fans than you have at Alabama. Those people are spoiled rotten. They are. 
They are. You know, I had a chance to interview John Wooden, and I'll never forget this. I asked him that question. I said, Coach, did UCLA fans ever become fickle while you were coaching? He said, funny you ask that. He said, we'd won seven national championships in a row. They lost to NC State, David Thompson, in double overtime. And then the next year they won again. And he said one of their big longtime boosters came up to him and said, you know, Coach, you sure let us down last year, but we did it this time, didn't we? You know, I mean, they do that losing stuff, Coach. That was you, but, boy, we did it this year. No, And you know what? You probably don't remember. It was before your time, but when Wooden left there, they brought in one of their alumni, Gene and I Barton. think he only lasted one, one year. <laughs> and he made it into the NCAA tournament, and I can't remember how far he got, but it wasn't very far. And he was gone. Was I, it Gene I can't Bartow? remember the guy's name. It was Gene Bartow, who later coached at UAB, I yeah, think. Yeah, he then, did pretty uh, well. Yeah, and then Larry Brown uh, had some success with UCLA. Got him to the title game in 1980 against Louisville. And uh, and UCLA has had some recent success, but they did go through a dry spell. Was that the Daryl There was another guy Darryl other than Bartow that was there. Team. I can't remember who it was, but there was another guy that was there for only a year or two. I thought it was... I thought it was right then, but maybe he was after Bartow. I remember Gene Bartow came from Memphis, yep, I believe it was. That's, I think you're right. Daryl, we're up against a break. Do you want to hang on or do you? Well, it's according to who. Uh, do you want me to be your special guest after the break? Yeah, yeah. I'll hang on then. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Okay. We're going to come back. We're going to have our man Daryl with us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Adrian Dinkle, head baseball coach of the National Champions Southeastern University Fire. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Zone. The Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. We've got Daryl on the line, but we've got to get that sports quiz out there. On this day today would have been the 88th birthday of Pirates legend Roberto Clemente. He died in a tragic accident while trying to help his native Nicaragua back in uh, New Year's Eve in, I think, 72. Here's the question. For a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, what outfield position did Roberto Clemente play? Was it right field, left field, or center field? 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And you could be going out and eating $30 worth at Miller's Lakeland Ale House, located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. And watch on their 40 strategically located television sets. Take advantage of those drink and meal specials they have every night of the week. Daryl, I got one here for you. It's also Matt Snell's birthday. Matt Number 41. Sn- yes, sir. No, is he 41? Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, to that's, me, that's the number he wore. Yeah, he should, and he was born in 1941. He should have been the MVP of Super Bowl three because he scored the Jets' only touchdown and he rushed for 121 yards. Do you agree yeah. or disagree? I think Namath only. I think he threw for 200 yards, if I remember right. No touchdowns. Well, the problem with the MVP situation back then. You remember that defense played a heck of a ball game too. Yes, they did. Daryl, hold on a second. We got somebody who wants to win the sports quiz. Let them go after it. Don, how are you tonight? Don, you there? I'm right here, my brother. All right, Good. you hungry you and thirsty? 
Uh, yes, I'm very thirsty. And I've, uh, I, the last time I won this was a question that you asked me about Bubba Watson, and that's how long ago it was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the former PGA player. <laughs> oh, PGA man. Player, what, what, hey, what do, you guys, what do you guys think about Phil Mickelson and all these guys going to that other golf league? You know, I don't like it, but you can't blame him. I mean, Mickelson is at a point in his career where he's not going to win a lot on the PGA Tour. And, uh, well, what's, what's enough money? I mean, so he gets $200 million. I mean, these guys got a lot of money to throw around, but Phil's, Phil's set for life as it is. Yeah, he is, but well, you know, I mean, he was. So he, he gambled a lot of it away, yeah, Don. Yeah, so yeah. Mickelson's kind of a unique situation, but a lot of the other guys are just cashing in, you know, and, yeah. and what it, yeah. the, what bothers a lot of tour players is that now they're trying to turn around and go back to the PGA Tours and, and get money yeah. from both ends. and. Yeah. Uh, so that that's uh, it's a lot a lot to unpack there, Don. But uh, let's yeah. let's take thirty dollars of the b- billions that Eric Clark is worth and give it to you, uh, if you, and answer that sports. Now quiz. just leave my name out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Don, what position? What outfield position did Roberto Clemente play? Well, I got I got one of three choices. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say. Uh, Right field. Ah, you're exactly That's the right. Way to go. Yeah. Number 21, boy, I tell you what, he could play. He was a yep. defensive great player. 3,000 hits, 317 lifetime batting average. And, you know, they never recovered his body from that plane crash off Nicaragua. I know. Yep. So I hear you. If you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information watching. Well, you know, you know, you guys gave me the answer, you know. Yeah. Because I got the right answer to the right uh, field. <laughs> if you have the right answer, you win. So, uh, that's right. See, that's what the benefit of listening carefully to the show. Is that's exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hang on the line, Don. We'll get your information, and Eric will send you out to the alehouse. You got it, buddy. Daryl, we're back with you. Daryl, you still there? Give him a hint saying anytime you ask a question like that, the first thing you say is, how strong is his arm? Because <laughs> that right field's got to have a strong arm. Boy, he had a gun, didn't he? He he could do it all. They didn't use the term back then, but he's the five-tool player. Which oh, basically yeah. means he can do everything. Man, he he can do it he better could than anybody else. do everything. Here's another one for you. It's also Rafer Johnson's birthday. He died in 2020. He won the Olympic gold in the decathlon in 1960, but he was almost as equally famous because he tackled Sirhan Sirhan after he shot Robert Kennedy. Along with Roosevelt Greer, right, to, uh, 1968. Yeah. Uh, what was what was it? Was it the International Hotel in? in it's in Los uh, Angeles. I don't. In remember. Los Angeles. I yes. don't remember the hotel name. Yeah, in June of 1968. Uh, to to finish the thought from the last segment, Daryl uh, Gene Bartow coached for two seasons at UCLA after right after John Wooden, and then he was succeeded by Gary Cunningham. A, a That's ex- the guy I was thinking, yeah. Gary Cunningham. How many years he coached? He coached uh, for two seasons, uh, a, a record of 50 wins and eight losses, and then he was succeeded. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> and uh, he was succeeded by Larry Brown, who got them to the championship game, and then Larry uh, and then coached there for two two seasons. Larry Farmer for three seasons. Walt Hazard for four seasons, and then they had some success in the early nine, early and mid nineties with Jim Herrick, getting to the uh, championship game against Arkansas in ninety four, and then winning it in ninety five. Did uh, Herrick end up at Georgia? Is yes, that he right? did. He got, yeah. I think he got fired for some NCAA violations. Daryl, thank you so much for calling. Really appreciate it. You always add a lot when you call, and uh, you got tremendous knowledge. 
I work at it every day. I go to the College of Sports Knowledge. You got that college knowledge. Thanks, Dave. All right. We'll be back next Thursday night. Ronnie O and Coach Joe.